ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. (laughs) On this episode, what I want to talk about is misconceptions about HBCUs. Uh, I guess before I get started, I probably should explain what an HBCU is for those in the back who don't know. Um, HBCUs is an acronym for Historically Black College and Universities. Um, HBCUs uh, are everywhere. Um, you can find one, especially if you want to attend one. Uh But, you know, honestly, there are a lot of misconceptions about HBCUs. Uh, And on this episode, what I want to do is just talk about some of some, I would say a few uh, that I know of and heard people talk about and things of that nature. Um, I guess it goes without saying uh, many of you know this, but for those of you who don't know, I am a proud alum of an HBCU. I attended and graduated from South Carolina State University in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Graduated in 1990. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I graduated in 1996. Um, so it's been a minute. But uh, yeah, proud alum. Uh, had family, went to school there. Uh, I've spoken on this podcast as to how I chose uh, South Carolina State University. Uh And I will honestly say that my decision to attend the university is one of the greatest decisions that I've ever made in my entire life. Um, Honestly, I don't know where I'd be if I had not gone to South Carolina State University. Um, And so I'll be honest, as an alum of an HBCU, there's a certain level of pride that comes with going to an HBCU. And then there's also a level of protection that comes with going to an HBCU. And what I mean by that is we're very protective of who we are, what we are and our brand. And what I mean by brand is like you or anybody else, we're not going to allow you to besmirch (laughs) the name of, any of our universities. Now, I'll be honest, there is always, uh, always a level of banter, pettiness, uh, (laughs) hate, if you will, um, but in a good way, between uh, HBCUs, particularly HBCUs that are rivals, uh, especially when it comes to sports and athletics. Um, That's a given there's a certain level of pride and, and everything that comes along with that with universities. Uh, so it's, it's, it's to say there's a friendly level of competition between the universities is a huge understatement, particularly if you know anybody else who's an HBCU alum. If you know another HBCU, HBCU alum, you can just ask them a simple question. Who's your rival? And they'll tell you. And they'll tell you that their school is the best HBCU in the world. And they really believe it. And who am I to tell them that they're not? Uh, because I feel the same way about my school. Um, 
but yeah, I wanted to get on here and talk about some of the popular misconceptions about HBCUs. Um, and I, I think I may have touched on it on another HBCU podcast, but it's worth repeating. Um, one misconception is that we as HBCU alums look differently at black people, black students who don't go to HBCUs. Not true. We don't look down on them. We don't, you know, treat them any different. Uh, we don't do any of that because here's the thing. Going to an HBCU, just like going to a PWI, which is um, predominantly white institution, it's a choice. Not a good choice, not a bad choice, but a choice. And so I don't you know, begrudge any black student who decides to go to a PWI. Uh, I mentioned on this podcast before. Uh, and you, if you follow the podcast, you heard a uh, podcast with episode with me and my, my one of my best friends, uh, Dr. Jamel. Dr. Jamel went to undergrad at Duke, right? And she is one of my best friends in the universe. And she is also the godmother of my oldest son, and I'm the godfather of her son. Um, but she made the choice to go to Duke. She could have gone to South Carolina State University. But she went to Duke. She went to Duke on a full scholarship. She's a doctor. I don't look at her any different. And it's funny because like when we talk about our, when we share our college stories, surprisingly, we have some similar stories. <laughs> but no, I didn't I didn't look at her any different when she told me she was like, hey, I'm going to Duke. I was like, oh, you mean that school with that basketball team? <laughs> but um. No, it, we we don't we don't treat anybody like that. We don't look down at other black people because again, it's a choice. And I'll be honest, and I've said this on this podcast as well as others. Everybody's not meant to go to an HBCU. They're not, you know, and that doesn't mean that you'll receive less of an education. And I'll get get to that in a second, or anything, or get the lesser of anything. Honestly, I feel like my degree from South Carolina State University, which is which was a degree in uh, marketing. Shout out to the School of Business, Belcher Hall. I feel like that degree is just as important as a degree from Duke or a degree from Harvard. Now, I'm sure you could go to, you know, Montana <laughs> and ask somebody if they've ever heard of Duke, and they'll probably say, yeah. And if you ask somebody in Montana if they've ever heard of South Carolina State University, hmm there's a good chance they'll probably say no. But that's not the point. The point is, is my degree allows me into the the door. And once I get in the door, it's about what I can do when, when you're talking about jobs or what have you. But yeah, we, we as proud HBCU alums, we don't look down on other black people that don't go to, um, you know, HBCUs. And it's funny because there are some black people. And yeah, I might be talking about you. <laughs> there are some black people that feel the need to overly justify why they didn't go to an HBCU. Hey, man, you ain't got to explain nothing to me. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, and honestly, it could, it, it could be something as simple as, you know, what you're exposed to. You know, we we tend to 
go where you know and do the things that we're exposed to if you if your parents went to an hbcu it's, it's likely that you'll probably go as well you know or if you got a chance to attend an hbcu you know a game or a, a band competition or something like that it's likely or a college fair is likely that you might go you know just it's sometimes it's something as simple as the exposure but if i'm a kid growing up on the west side of chicago and i've never heard of grambling you know how do i know if all i've heard of is northwestern and ohio state then i'm probably going to northwestern or ohio state so sometimes this is it's as simple as giving our hbcus the right exposure that that it needs to reach all students um i think and, and this is my personal opinion i think at the very least um it should be on the table at least on the table as far as it being exposed once you expose it to young kids then you let them make their decision and, and I, I, we went through the same thing with uh our oldest two sons who are currently one is a graduate of an HBCU and currently in grad school at that HBCU. And then our second son is currently an undergrad at an HBCU. And we've got two more kids, <laughs> one in high school and one in middle school at the time of this recording. And it is my preference. It is my preference that they attend an HBCU. It's not, you know, something that they got to do. <laughs> but I will say this. If I'm writing the check and <laughs> they're going to an HBCU, but you know, if they're writing their own check or if they, you know, have scholarships and everything to go someplace else and that's where they want to go. If you want to go to the university of Iowa, AKA, okay, knock yourself out. But if I have to pay for it, <laughs> I think we're probably going to go someplace where I prefer that you go. Um, but ultimately, you know, and I say that in jest, but ultimately, you know, it, this is your life. This is and where you attend college or even the fact that you attend college. Once you make that decision to attend college, where you go to school, um, you know, will definitely it's it's your decision. It's 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 about what you choose to do and where you choose to go and spend the next four, maybe five years of your life. Um but yeah, that's that's a misconception that, you know, we, we don't like <laughs> or we treat other black people who are uh, HBC, who aren't HBCU alums. We treat them differently. Oh, and by the way, I'm in case you don't know, newsflash, newsflash, I'm black. <laughs> For those of you who tune in and don't know who I am. Um, another misconception is that HBCUs are racist. We're not. HBCUs aren't racist at all. The mere existence of HBCUs is the reason why we're not racist. HBCUs had to be created so that we could have some place where we could attend and further our education. Ask your aunties, ask your uncles, ask your grandmothers, grandfathers about how difficult it was to get into schools like Alabama or Texas 
or Florida or Georgia. And I'm talking, I'm not even talking, <laughs> I'm talking maybe 50 years ago, the 70s, 60s. You know, it, it wasn't that long. There, there are people in your family that are walking on this earth that have experienced that era of time. Talk to them about how hard and how difficult it was, if at all possible, for black kids to get into white schools. So one thing we need to remember is that HBCUs that were there for people of color when, you know, PWIs didn't want us. And that's why, you know, we became what we've become. So, no, HBCUs could never be racist. Never. It's not in our DNA. Um, what's another one? Oh, talked about it a little earlier. HBCUs offer inadequate education. Um, I said earlier, I I would I would put my degree <laughs> coming out of Belcher Hall and the School of Business at South Carolina State University. I would put that degree up against any business degree in the country. You want to know why? Because I busted my ass. Like, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. And, and when you add on the fact that I was an athlete, I played football on scholarship uh, during my time at South Carolina State University. I had even less time than the quote unquote regular students um, to prepare myself for class and everything. Now, again, that's a choice because I didn't have to play football. Right. But I did. And it wasn't easy. And, you know, they they told us the first day in the school of business. Hey, if you want to graduate in four years, you better go to summer school for four years, <laughs> at least for three years, because that's the only way it's going to happen, because the, the curriculum was so strenuous and tough. And, and I can't I don't want to speak to any other curriculum on our campus, but no, going to a school like South Carolina State and going to other other HBCUs, I'll be honest, it's not the curriculums aren't easy. It's not like you you just you know, you float for four years. So the level of education, the level of preparation that it takes, the level of dedication it takes to finish. It's incredible. I mean, you you guys who, you know, frequently listen to the podcast, you've heard uh, my man Eclectic on it. Eclectic is, is another alum. Uh, he went to Grambling State. I mean. I don't think Eclectic gets where he gets if he's not at Grambling. He learned something. <laughs> He knows a lot about music, but trust me, he, he he learned something at Grambling. So we definitely don't lack when it comes to education. And I, and I think more than anything else, and I, I can only speak from my personal experience, um, more than anything else, I learned how to survive. And sometimes at HBCUs, you may not have what everybody, what other colleges have. And that's no knock. It's just what it is. You know, there's no $50 million endowment at South Carolina State. I'm sure there's one at Duke. <laughs> I'm sure there's one at Alabama. I'm sure there's one at Ohio State. But the thing that you learn is you learn how to make 
with what you have so you end up doing more with less and then what i mean by less is i'm not meaning like you're poor or anything like that because trust me my university in particular is in a far better place than it was when i was there um in a lot of ways but you learn to make things happen instead of waiting on someone to give you something quite honestly you just go get it that's it nothing more nothing less and i think that mentality probably more than anything else prepared me for what was next um which actually is a great segue into my next point um another misconception is that hbcus don't prepare you for post-grad life that's bs (laughs) trust me by the time that i graduated in 1996 i knew and i I, and i would often tell myself as well as my friends like this was hard like there's nothing else in life that will be this hard nothing like there's there's nothing that i can think of that will be this hard or this difficult in life and it was all because of what we did in undergrad and for those who went to grad school grad school it definitely prepared us for you know the afterlife i will i would probably say that you you could probably and i'm sure almost everyone listening to this podcast knows at least one person outside of me who is an hbcu alum do me a favor right the next time you see an hbcu alum ask them this simple question did your hbcu prepare you for life after school i'm willing to bet 95 percent of them will say hell yeah (laughs) because it did it really did I don't know anybody, and and I know a ton of HBCU alums, a bunch of them, not just from my school, but from damn near every HBCU, right? I don't know any who can say that their HBCU didn't prepare them for what was next once they got out of school. That's a huge misconception. That is not true at all. And yeah, you know, people say, oh, well, yeah, you go to you go to Ohio State or you go to Notre Dame and you make these connections. And I, I, I'm not saying that you don't. I'm sure that you do. I'm sure that there's plenty of connections to be made at Florida State and Oklahoma and Southern Cal and UCLA. Shout out to Baylor. But. HBCUs is just different. It's really different. And if you don't believe me, ask somebody. But no, definitely prepares you for post-grad. Um, oh, another misconception is that HBCUs are di- aren't diverse. They actually are. And I'll be honest, HBCUs probably are more diverse now than they've ever been. I mean, like, and I'll use South Carolina State as an example. You know, I went to school there from 1991 until 1996, right? When I was there, (laughs) 
you you'd be hard pressed to see white people like and if you saw a white person almost always they were in grad school like you just regular just white undergrads no um well one of my teammates was white actually two so okay let me just so the (laughs) non-athletic undergrads back in the 90s at least when i was in school at south carolina state university didn't exist uh i'd venture to say that was probably the case for florida a&m and north carolina a&t shout out to king germ um i'd venture to say that i don't know what it was like i would say the same for hampton and howard so forth and so on right but i don't know maybe you could tell me but now yeah it's it it is nothing to see you know and not just whites i mean other minorities on an hbcu campus and that's outside of athletics now if you look at the athletic teams then yeah i mean like you could take a school like bethune cookman university and look at their baseball team and that whole baseball team might be white <laughs> and it's cool but no hbcus are very very diverse we we are again we were created on the basis of we were being excluded so it's never been our in our practice to exclude any others there is absolutely positively nothing that's stopping a white kid from columbia south carolina attending south carolina state university nothing if he or she wants to do it they can come odds are likely that they'll probably go to the university of south carolina or clemson but if they want to come to sc state come on down (laughs) because at the end of the day you're going to have a great time you're going to learn something and South Carolina State is, you know, committed to educating. And so, no, it, it, it's schools of the HBCUs now are very diverse. I mean, like you could be on a black college campus and you could have not just student, not just white kids, but students from countries all across the world. Uh, it was like that when I was in school and it's definitely like that now. Um, another misconception is that HBCUs are irrelevant. I mean, w- we did a whole podcast on that. Um, check the archives. Um, so it's not really much for me to discuss on that one. Uh, they are very relevant. They are very relevant and very much so needed um, for society. Uh, another misconception is that, you know, at HBCUs, uh, kids tend to party a lot. let let me be clear it's college anywhere there's college there's kids and wherever there are kids there are young people who have a bunch of free time some money and no responsibilities there are going to be parties hbcu's party just like everybody else like I and I think I talked about this before. Like I remember going to, when I when I made my decision to go to South Carolina State. You know, a couple of people told me, "Oh man, and they they like to the party there." 
I mean, as if they don't party at the University of South Carolina and Clemson. They don't party at Georgia. They don't party at Florida, Miami, <laughs> Ole Miss, <laughs> North Carolina. They don't party there either. Come on now. What are we doing? What are we talking about? They don't party at Southern Cal, huh? Come on, man. I, I don't know where that misconception came from. I know they party at Syracuse. I know this for a fact. I'm 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 pretty sure they party at Michigan. I'm pretty sure. Notre Dame, I gotta put a pretty good inkling they party at Notre Dame too. And I and I mean like party. I know for a fact because I've seen it with my own two eyes. They party hard at Georgia Tech. Saw it with my own two eyes. But I know, you know, they party at Spelman and Howard and Hampton, Fayetteville State, so forth and so on. Johnson C. Smith. Um, it's college, y'all. <laughs> it's college. Um, so yeah, nah, I, I I'm not I'm not with that one. Another misconception is, uh, oh, and I've, oh, we've talked about this one. Uh, HBCUs uh, are only in it to steal money from the students. <sighs> Not true. Um, we had some issues. And I'll just speak publicly about South Carolina State. We had some issues when I was in school because we had a couple of presidents and somebody got jammed up with some money, taking some money and stuff like that. Um, no. HBCUs solely don't steal money from kids. However, when there are financial issues that arise at HBCUs, it makes headlines. And it could be something big or it could be something small, but they definitely make headlines. Um, you know, at the time of this recording, there were a school just started about a month or so ago, right? There were quite a few colleges and universities, both PWIs and HBCUs, who were heavily criticized for basically overbooking. They had more students than they had housing for. And one of the worst things that can happen is to get yourself all hyped up. You're a freshman coming on this campus for the first time and you get to campus and you have no place to stay. How does that happen? Who dropped the ball? Somebody dropped the ball. And I read stories about schools that had happened at, at Florida A&M. South Carolina State was one that it was temporary, but at South Carolina State um, happened at Notre Dame and happened at Howard. It happened at a bunch of a bunch of PWIs, Georgia. And the way that it's reported on the news is or the way the news is uh, dispersed. You know, it's it's a small print story for an for a PWI, but it's a huge story for HBCUs, and it's not good. But I don't necessarily attribute that to HBCUs. I attribute that to people just being greedy. You know how many pit? You know that you've got. If you know that you got a thousand freshmen coming in, you got to have a thousand rooms. It's pretty simple. You have to have cutoffs and you have to have deadlines and. You know, and I can only speak for South South Carolina State's case, but you know, some of the students that were misplaced were students who registered late and students who you know miss deadlines. Now, if your deadline for your housing was you know June fifteenth, 
and you turned in your application july 15th um yeah it, it might be a problem once you get there but i think also in saying that it's up to the universities to make sure that they can confirm that the students are coming and once they decide the students are coming okay well let's we still don't have a house we don't have a, a spot for this kid let's put them here in this hotel or whatever the case may be that happens but i think that's i think that's an easier fix if you have communication but now if you don't have communication you you might have kids everywhere but again it's something that happens unfortunately on hbcu campuses from from time to time it's not something that happens often but it does happen um but it also happens at pwis and it does not get reported the same and you know why right but ultimately i think there are a lot of misconceptions about hbcus and i think what i wanted to do in this podcast was just dispel some of them um I will speak from personal experience. Again, attending an HBCU, in particular my HBCU, was the best decision that I've made. I think that decision, if you have a kid, if you're listening to this podcast, particularly if you're black, if you have a kid and they're considering school, I would at the very least expose them to an HBCU or HBCUs. Let them go on an HBCU tour. Because that's the thing now. We, we weren't, there <laughs> weren't no tours back in the 90s, Jack. <laughs> you had to find out the best way you could. But let them do that. Um, and even if you're a minority or if you're white and you have an idea that you would like to attend an HBCU visit. That's the best thing that I can tell you visit and go see for yourself because there are over a hundred HBCUs across this country and you won't know until you get there. And then once you get there, you can make a, a, an informed decision as to whether or not it would be some place that you would like to spend the next four to five years of your life. For me, it was the best thing. So I had to get on and talk about some of the misconceptions for HBCUs because I think it was a great decision for me. Ultimately, it would be the best. You have to make the best decision for yourself. But in making that decision, I would contend that I think at the very least, you should consider attending an HBCU because it's dope and I told you so. That's going to do it for me. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for checking out this edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. I'll catch you guys next time. Five G's.